a bright golden haze on the meadow. There's a bright golden haze on the meadow. The corn is as high as an elephant's And it looks like it's climbing clear up to the sky. Oh, what a beautiful morning. Oh, what a beautiful day. Oh, what a beautiful morning. Oh, what a beautiful day. I got a beautiful feeling everything's going my way. This is Buck Benny speaking. Welcome to another episode of the Bing Crosby Show from the 1951-1952 season. Tonight's episode features Bing's brother, Bob Crosby, from over on the Jack Benny Show. He replaced Phil Harris. And this is the time frame where he was working on, uh, no, I guess it would be the following year that he would start working on the Jack Benny show. This year would be the final year that had Phil Harris on it. So something to look forward to is him joining the Jack Benny cast next year. Also on this show is Kathy Crosby, who is the daughter of Bob Crosby. So she would be Bing's niece that's on this episode. And he has fun with her as well. So it's just a fun episode overall. We also, of course, have Gordon McRae's Railroad Hour. And on the Railroad Hour today, he has the cat and the fiddle with Howard McNear, who plays Doc, on Gunsmoke. So just kind of a fun, entertaining evening overall. And both shows sound really good, as far as I can tell. And I hope you're going to enjoy both of them very much. We'll see you next time. Chesterfields are much milder, with an extraordinarily good taste, and no unpleasant aftertaste. They satisfy millions. Sound off, sound off, sound off for Chesterfield. Good evening, folks, a big hello. We're here to start the Crosby Show. There's lots of laughs and plenty of fun, so settle back with a milder one. Sound off for Chesterfield. Sound off for Chesterfield. Buy a pack of Chesterfields and do it today. Someone waits for me. This is Ken Carpenter welcoming you to the Bing Crosby Show for Chesterfield, produced and transcribed in Hollywood with John Scott Trotter and his orchestra, Judd Collins with the Mayors, and Bing's guests, Miss Kathy Crosby and Mr. Bob Crosby. And now, ladies and gentlemen, if you can stand another Crosby, here's Bing Crosby. <laughs> Crosby, Crosby, Crosby. Ken, I, I want to compliment you. That was very nice. That introduction was very short, simple, and succinct to the point. Well, Bing, I, I didn't want to do anything uh, ponderous tonight. No, let's you not know. ever do that. No. After all, it's getting awfully close to March 15th, and I didn't want to tax your imagination, Benny. <laughs> Ken, no one has to worry about taxes this year, haven't you heard? What? We don't have to pay taxes this year. What do you mean? All the tax collectors are on the lam. <laughs> Bing. Bing, I hear there's soon going to be a heavy tax on necking. Necking? That's right. Well, what do you know? Who would ever thought that one day the drive-in movies would be the source of balancing the budget? <laughs> I, I you, know, you know what? I don't think there should be a tax on kissing. Oh, no, that's murder. Oh, no, keep people apart. Yeah, and just after they invented chlorophyll, too. <laughs> I tell you, Ken, tax time gives us all fits of despair. Bob Hope is so sad, he's wearing his money belt at half-mast. Boys in deep mourning, deep, huh? Deep mourning. I wonder if Bob has filled out his form yet. Years ago, Ken. <laughs> no way, way. I was referring to his tax form. And that's pretty fat, too. I don't know about Hope, Ken, but personally, I've listed him as a dependent. 
Oh, Bing, how can you list Bob Hope as a dependent? Well, he's old and I care for him. <laughs> how touching. Yes, he does that too. <laughs> but, Bing, when you list a person as a dependent, he has to be supported by you and dependent on you. Well, haven't you seen our movies? <laughs> And I don't see why we're standing here complaining about taxes just because we're in pain. Oh, of course not, Bing. Taxes touch us all. Touch us? They knock us flat on our, on our deductions. <laughs> you know, a funny thing, this morning as I was driving into town, I saw a little squirrel standing alongside the oh. highway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He had a sack of nuts slung over his shoulder. Mm-hmm. It was his life savings. He was thumbing his way to Washington to pay up. Uh, <laughs> that little squirrel's going to be in big trouble when he gets to Washington. How so? Fur coat. Oh, that's right. <laughs> On the level, Ken, taxes go for many useful and vital things, including the new federal project number 8,426-S. Oh, my goodness. That sounds like a big project. What is it? They're going to move the Mojave Desert to Washington, D.C. <laughs> yeah. They need parking space for all the witnesses in the congressional investigations. I Never cram them all Never in. Make Never make I've got to get along here. We've got an opening selection with a popular number called Be My Life's Companion. It's very big in the jukeboxes. The Mills Brothers have a... Fine platter on it. Are you ready? Be my life's companion and you'll never grow old. I'll love you so much that you'll never grow old. When there's joy in living just never grow old You've got to stay young Cause you'll never grow old People who are lonely Can be old at 33 Don't let it happen to you Don't let it happen to me Be my life's companion And you'll never grow old No, no never grow old, no, you'll never grow old, love and youth and happiness are yours to have and hold, be my life's companion and you'll never grow old, I know a man who's lonely and he's only 33. No one wants to be old at 33 Cause your disposition sours like a lemon on a tree Don't let it happen to you And don't let it happen to me My life's companion and you'll never grow old. Never, never. I'll love you so much that you'll never grow old. Love and youth and happiness are yours to have and hold. Be my life's companion, be my life's companion, and you'll never grow old. Today, there are over 100 brands of cigarettes for sale in the USA. One stands out. It's Chesterfield, the first cigarette in America to name all of its ingredients. Chesterfield uses the right combination of the world's best tobaccos, pre-tested by laboratory instruments for the most desirable smoking qualities, and kept tasty and fresh by the only tried and tested moistening agents. Proved by over 40 years of continuous use in USA tobacco products as entirely safe for use in the mouth. Pure natural sugars and chemically pure, harmless, and far more costly glycerol. Nothing else. You can be glad if you smoke Chesterfields because they give you every advantage known to modern science. Supervised by experts in the most modern research laboratories, 
and made by experts in the newest and most modern cigarette factories. Outside independent consultants include scientists from leading universities. For you, that means the Chesterfields are much milder, with an extraordinarily good taste and no unpleasant aftertaste, all for your smoking pleasure and protection. They satisfy millions. Uh, this is Mr. Charles Trenet's lovely French melody called uh, L'Enfant. Over here they call it At Last. I dreamed, I dreamed, oh how I dreamed a dream of love to be. In vain, in vain, always in vain, love never came to me. Then suddenly you looked at me and all at once I knew. I knew, I knew my whole life through my dreams were always of you. At last, at last, you're in my arms. You're in my arms where you should be. Not a dream, warm and real, close to me. At last, at last, you're mine to love. You're mine to love forevermore Mine to hold Mine to be living for Kiss me and say You always will stay For come what may My darling, right or wrong this is where you belong This is where you belong At last, at last You're all my own And all my lonely days are past Mine to hold Mine to love Here at last at last, at last, I love you so. At last, at last, it's you I know I've waited for. To have, to hold, Ladies and gentlemen, in order to further and perpetuate the good old custom of having relatives drop by for a visit once in a while, tonight I've invited some of my kinfolk to stop in and sort of pass the time of day. Approaching the mic now is a fellow who I love like a brother. In fact, he is my brother. By the way, which one are you? Well, I'm Bob, the fun-loving brother. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, Thank well, you, ladies and gentlemen. Well, Bob, Bob, hey... Time cut. <laughs> Don't just stand there bowing or something. What are you doing? What are you up to? You're bowing and giving them in the rack? The whole well, this is television, isn't it? Heavens to Godfrey, no, this is radio. <laughs> radio, how quaint. Oh, now just... Oh, I gotta get it from you, too. You know, I wonder why you always stick up for radio. Are you afraid of television? No, huh? I think it's the other way around. <laughs> I'll tell you something, Bob. I think you're game. You're brave. You're courageous. I see you do lots of shots on TV. Well, it's only natural that the handsomest of the Crosbys should be first on television. Uh -huh. <laughs> Let me see if you're bleeding anywhere. <laughs> well, you're gorgeous. You really are. Well, you're nice to admit it, Bing, but... <laughs> I don't see why you couldn't do both TV and radio. Bob Hope does it. Oh, what a shabby example. <laughs> You know, though, he has, he has come up with a wonderful idea, Bob has, when color television comes in. Yeah, what's his idea? Well, he's going to broadcast the frost warnings in a suit of long red underwear. <laughs> oh, 
Well, I think that's a wonderful idea. Yes, and I've got 50% of the programs. He's going to use my underwear. <laughs> well, that's why the world loves you, Bing. You won't go on television yourself, but you're a big enough man to let your underwear show. I want to participate in this great new medium, even if in a very minor degree. Yes. Well, let me ask you something. Mm -hmm. Is your underwear going to get any billing on Bob's program? Billing? Mm -hmm. You bet your life. My name is on the flap in Petty Point. <laughs> I do hope Bob backs into the camera now and then. <laughs> oh, he will, he will. Why? That's his best angle. Hey, you are afraid <laughs> you're talking, son you... Now, Bing, this is wonderful news to me yeah. Really? I can't tell you how glad I am That you're going to be represented on TV before long Wait a minute, I want to just ask you something What mm -hmm. is this sudden interest you're taking in my career? Well, what I... prompted this? Uh, you, uh, I found out something yep. But what? Well, I found out something that convinces me That your career is really my career yeah? What are you talking about? Well, this is probably going to come as a blow to you, but I had to be looking through the family uh, oh, birth certificates I... And I found out that they got the names all mixed then you mean? I'm really you. <laughs> you must be kidding. If you're me, who am I? Me. Are you sure all the birth certificates in our family got mixed up? All of them. Well, then what does that make Brother Everett? Sister Mary Rose. <laughs> well, he'll just have to go to Ori Kelly for a new wardrobe. That's <laughs> well, this is fantastic. This is fabulous. I'm not going to take this lying down, you know. Now, please, don't cause a scene on my show. This is going too far. You mean we've got to make a complete switch? That's right. You mean you get my money and I get, uh, you should excuse the expression, yours? <laughs> <laughs> I will not go on with this routine. Take my ball out of the rack, boy. That's the way it is. <laughs> Incidentally, now that you have my name, what are you going to do first? Collect my social security. <laughs> hey, wait. I think we got... Whoa, we've gone far enough with this bit, haven't we? Maybe we've gone too far. Let's just be ourselves, huh? Hey, it was wonderful having money for a while, though. Uh, <laughs> you're always beefing about loot and everything. You're doing all right. Incidentally, I want to congratulate you. That song you wrote with Del Sharbat, uh, Silver and Gold, that's a good song. Well, huh? thank you. Got another song out now called Kathy, wrote it with Jack Elliott. I suppose it's dedicated to your daughter, Kathy? That's mm -hmm. right. Kathy and I have a capital record on it. Oh, you and daughter Kathy have a record out, mm -hmm. huh? Mm-hmm. Gives me an idea. I must do a record with Gary sometime. <laughs> that'd be great. <laughs> I think that'd be great. Well, good luck to you and Kathy on your record, Bob. By the way, where is Kathy? Where's the young lady? Well, she's she standing out there in the wings. She's calmly awaiting her cue like a two cousin. Well, good. Come on out, Kathy. Come on. Kathy. Man. Oh, uh, Kathy, it's nice to have you here with us tonight. Kathy, tell your Uncle Bing where you went this afternoon. Where were you? I went to a beauty parlor and had my hair done, especially for this program. Oh, especially for this program, huh? Daddy says that way it's deductible. <laughs> March, everybody's on the TV. <laughs> Gee, beauty parlors are fun. Aren't they, Gabe? You know, Uncle Bing, hmm? the funniest thing happened to me at the beauty parlor this afternoon. What happened that was so funny, Kathy? Well, a lady came into the beauty parlor carrying a French poodle. Oh, and the lady got a poodle haircut, huh? No, the poodle got a lady haircut. <laughs> well, I walked right into that one, didn't I? <laughs> Kathy, anyhow, you've had a new arrival out here at your house since I saw you last, true? That's right. I have a new baby sister. Her name is Malia. Malia, huh? That's Hawaiian for Mary. Oh, Hawaiian. Mm -hmm. Well, I must remember to bring my ukulele to the christening party. <laughs> you go on. If I want a ukulele, I'll go get Godfrey. No, I just... <laughs> I just ribbing, Bob. Well, don't rib about my children's name. Please. <laughs> Bob, if I've hurt you, I apologize for my little jest. Prove now my good faith. I promise you that the very first baby girl that the stork brings to our house, we'll name her Sweet Lilani. <laughs> That'll be the day in Aloha. Thank you for your aloha. <laughs> Kathy, getting back to you now, let's talk about you. What have you been doing with yourself outside of sitting in a beauty parlor where a poodle gets a lady haircut? Well, I've been working as a babysitter. Oh, that's smart. You pick up a little work around the neighborhood, huh? I never have to leave the house. <laughs> Saving car fare, huh? Say, Bob, I want to congratulate you. You and June have five children now, haven't you? Yep. Well, we've got you on this, boy. Right. June and I have three boys, two girls. That's a full house. Better check the rules, kids. Four of a kind beats a full house anyway.
Oh, man, I quit. You've got the pot. Oh, no, take another look, boy. I'm quite svelte. <laughs> I see, well, oh, yes, well, we were telling me you're talking about the babysitting business, huh, Kathy? How's it going? Last week, I cleared $2.70. What do you mean you cleared $2.70? How's that happen? Well, I really made $3, but Uncle Everett takes 10%. Can you beat that? I think she's getting a break. He nicks me for 20%. Well, Ev always did love children. Children and dogs. Of course, dogs bite him. But... I'd like to bite him, too. Well, I get my teeth, I'll go with you. <laughs> This could be bigger than Quo Vadis. <laughs> <laughs> Kathy and Bob, now that you're assembled here this evening, this would be a nice opportunity to uh, sort of sing that song that you recently recorded, huh? Well, I'd be very happy to. That is, if, if Kathy feels up to it. What have we got to lose, Daddy? If we get in trouble, Uncle Bing can always step in and save the day. <laughs> well... Isn't it amazing how this propaganda penetrates even to the children of the land? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, here then is a new song entitled, Kathy. Never was a girl half as sweet a girl as Kathy. Never was a smile like the sunny smile of my Kathy. Blue as any skies are her laughing eyes And when she holds my hand All the world seems grand to me When she walks along Robins sing a song for my Kathy Roses on the vine seem to take a shine to Kathy. Gee, she thrills me so no one else I know can make me feel so happy. Show me anyone underneath the sun half as wonderful as Kathy. Kathy, what have you got to sing about all this? Now, don't be nervous. Daddy's shaking enough for both of us. Never was a guy half as sweet a guy as Daddy. Well, thank you, honey. Never was a smile like the sunny smile of Daddy. Pretty as can be, am I proud, oh gee? And when she holds my hand, all the world seems grand to me. While we stroll along, he sings me a song, my daddy. Want the world to know he's my favorite boo, my daddy. That's boo, not boo. <laughs> Gee, she thrills me so no one else I know can make me feel so happy. Show me anyone. Underneath the sun Half as wonderful as Daddy Well, thank you Half as wonderful as my Kathy Ooh. You heard me Half as wonderful as Kathy That was very sweet, Kathy and Boo. <laughs> Pretty good melody you got there, Bob. Would you care to sing something to me, Bing? Well, this is family night. Will you join in with me? Well, if certainly. I... Why, you sing to me and I'll sing to you. This ought to be real cozy. <laughs> Who's the sweetest brother? I love him like no other. Bobby. <laughs> Who's my pride and joy? The all-American boy. Bing Z. <laughs> Wait a minute, John. I don't know. This this is a little too saccharine, don't yeah, you? <laughs> this might We're be a little too precious huh? to be believable. Huh? Why don't we start all over and really, you know, and level, huh? Okay, you take it first. Ah, here we go. Bob, when you were born, who dressed you night and morn? It's gonna be good, brother Harry. <laughs> 
with those safety pins, your aim was very bad. Oh, that was Larry. <laughs> I still have the scars, I'll tell you this. Bob, do you recall when we both were small, I laced your shoes for you and gave me a hot foot too. Yeah, but it didn't even take. <laughs> When from school I'd steal, you'd always, always squeal to daddy. When I played golf with you, all you'd let me do is caddy. Lost all my spalding dots. We're just kidding, folks. These are family jokes. But there's one brother who puts his arm around your neck. Swears your pals by heck, but never pays his check. That's Everett. In Durham and in Richmond, too. Chesterfield factories are making for you the finest smoke you'll ever taste. Much milder with no aftertaste. Mildness plus no aftertaste. Mildness plus no aftertaste. No unpleasant aftertaste in Chesterfield. That's right. North, south, east, west. It's Chesterfield. They like the best. The best cigarette for you. That's right. So here's what we want you to do. That's right. Sound off. For Chesterfield. Sound off. For Chesterfield. Try a pack of Chesterfields and do it today. Remember, friends, Chesterfield has for your smoking pleasure and protection every advantage known to modern science. For you, this means Chesterfields are much milder, with an extraordinarily good taste and no unpleasant aftertaste. They satisfy millions. Miss Patty Page sang a song on our show a few weeks back, which I like very much. In fact, I even feel brave enough to have a go at it. A gypsy with a crystal ball to gaze in Can look into the future, so they say But I am so afraid of fortune tellers To know the truth might cast my world away now just suppose I called upon a gypsy To find you're gonna break my heart someday So darling, I'm confessing Not knowing is a blessing And you can keep me guessing Come what may now just suppose I called upon a gypsy To find you're gonna break my heart someday So darling, I'm confessing Not knowing is a blessing So you can keep me guessing Come what may Yes, you can keep me guessing, come what may. Now, thanks to Kathy and Brother Bob for a most charming visit this evening. It sure was fun, Uncle Bing. Oh, you were fine, Kathy, and... You're getting to be such a young lady here. I bet before we know it, you'll be going out on dates, huh? Oh, I already had a date. <laughs> Is this right, Bob? Yep, that's right. She went to movies with a boyfriend of hers the other night. Uh-huh. Did you take your friend to see the picture your dad's in, the, the uh, two tickets to Broadway? No, we went to another movie. Why? It's no fun sitting in a balcony with a boy when your father's watching you from the screen. I... <laughs> 
Huh? Who's going to be with you next week, Bing? Next week, Bob, we're going to entertain Humphrey Bogart and Miss Loren Bacall. Say, I happened to hear Bogart sing on your show about a month Comes ago. Comes on, don't yeah, he? Yeah, he does pretty good. And uh, Bacall's got a very big bass note there. <laughs> In addition to singing next week, Oliver, we're going to present a thrilling version of the great motion picture, The African Queen. Well, come on, Kathy and Bob. I'll take you to Will Wright's. What do you say? We have a soda, huh? You really going to spring for a soda? Certainly. I'm going to spring. Gosh, what a night. Good night, ladies and gentlemen, and thank you very much. He wasn't too enthusiastic, was he? No, thank you. Sound off for Chesterfield. Chesterfields are much milder with an extraordinarily good taste. And from the report of a well-known research organization... Chesterfield leaves no unpleasant aftertaste. They satisfy millions. The Bing Crosby Show, presented by Chesterfield, was produced and transcribed in Hollywood by Bill Morrow and Murdo McKenzie. Tune in next week and hear Bing and his guests, Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall. Folks, help a neighbor across the nation, across the world, by giving generously to your Red Cross. Remember, we need a lot from the Red Cross this year, so let's give a lot through the Red Cross. Ladies and gentlemen, the Railroad Hour. And here comes our star-studded show train. Tonight, the Association of American Railroads presents the romantic operetta The Cat and the Fiddle, starring Gordon McRae and his celebrated guest star, Dorothy Kirsten. Our choir is under the direction of Norman Luboff, and the music is prepared and conducted by Carmen Dragon. Yes, tonight another great musical hit is brought to you by the American Railroads, the same railroads that bring you most of the food you eat, the clothes you wear, the fuel you burn, and all the other things you use in your daily life. And now, here is our star, Gordon McRae. Thank you, Marvin Miller, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. In tonight's story, lovely Dorothy Kirsten plays Shirley Sheridan, a young American songwriter. And I am Victor Florescu, also a composer. The night was made for Brussels, it was spring, the moon was soft and round and full of romantic promises. She was sitting on a park bench alone, and I was walking along the path, also alone. It seemed only polite to stop and pass the time of evening. Good evening, mademoiselle. Good evening, monsieur. Beautiful night, isn't it? Yes, beautiful. You know, it's really none of my affair, but in the interest of chivalry, I must inform you, young lady, that it's quite dangerous for you to be sitting alone in a park on a night like this. So I see. Yes, yes. Yes, you're quite right. I am a total stranger, and I have no right to speak to you. But you're not a total stranger. I'm not? No, I've seen you often at the conservatory. I studied there for a while. Did you really? You're Victor Florescu, aren't you? I've heard your symphony, and I like it. Well, thank you. What's your name? Shirley Sheridan. I'm from Vancouver, Washington. Well, Shirley, our music gives us something in common. Why don't we go someplace for a bite of supper and talk about, uh, conservatory? Oh, I hardly think I could do that. Well, then may I call on you tomorrow? Mm, I, I don't know. 
Tell me where I can write to you to try to arrange a meeting. You can write me in care of general delivery. If you do, I'll answer you. And after a while, if you still want to call on me, then I'll send you my address. And I'll keep on writing until you let me see you. All right. But if for any reason you lose interest, just stop writing. If there's no letter from you, then I'll understand. Good night, Mr. Florescu. Good night. Good night, Miss Sheridan. You'll be hearing from me. <laughs> care of general delivery. My dear Miss Sheridan, our meeting in the park was a moment I shall never forget. Won't you please let me see you again? Dear Mr. Florescu, you really did write, and I'm so glad. It isn't often that a chance acquaintance turns out to be... Dear Shirley, all day I think of you. I try to lose myself in my music, but I find that the memory of that... Dear Victor, isn't this general delivery romance fun? If you keep on writing, I'll soon know that you meant what you said that night in the park and Shirley, I... darling. When may I see you to tell you to your lovely face how my heart wants you, my lips want you? My very soul needs the love that... Victor, you... my love, I must go to Paris for a few weeks. Please, please keep writing. And when I return, I'll return to you. My address there will be Hotel Continental, 1806... You're sure there's no letter for me? Nothing, monsieur, nothing. Besides, you are not the fellow who has been coming in for Victor Florescu's letters. No, no, I've always sent someone else. But 
now it's so important. Well, anyway, I am Victor Floresca. I am sure that you are, monsieur. But there is nothing here for you. Is there any mail for a Miss Shirley Sheridan? Sheridan? Sheridan. Oh, yes. There is a whole stack of letters here for her. Pretty little girl. Used to come in every day. Then, all at once, she stopped. A whole stack of my letters to her. She doesn't even bother to pick them up. And what did she do? I leave it to you. She did just what you do, too. Magnificent, Miss Sheridan. So bright, so charming. And so are you. Thank you, Mr. Daudet. Now, this review I am producing, my dear, has a score by a very talented young composer, but his music is a bit heavy. I'd like to persuade him to use some of your songs. So I took the liberty of inviting him here. Oh, he probably won't want anyone else's music but his own. Oh, I think he'll be agreeable. You see, he seems to be, uh, well, let us say, romantically involved with the star of the show. Oh. Mademoiselle Odette is a violinist, and the things he's written do not seem to fit her talents. But I don't quite see... Oh, he wants, above all, to keep her happy. And your songs would be just right for her. I'll be happy to have him hear them. But I haven't been able to write much of anything since I came back from Paris. What's the trouble, my dear? He stopped writing. Oh, I mean, ever since I've moved into this apartment, some long-haired musician across the court keeps hammering his piano and drives me crazy. Oh, 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 I wonder. The gentleman I was speaking of lives in the same building. Well, if he's the one, and the gloomy stuff he plays is his idea of music... I'll get it. Shirley. Victor. I, I mean, Mr. Florescu. Uh, what, you two know each other? We met once, briefly. You'd hardly say we know each other. Oh, but sure. Well, you must become better acquainted. <laughs> Victor, just listen to the things this girl has written. They'll be wonderful for Odette. And we'll sing something for us, will you? My dear. Uh, what's this new one on the piano? That's my latest. It's rather a serious song. It describes the fickleness of men and the hopeless fidelity of women. Oh, well, it, it sounds charming. Uh, please sing it for us. Try to forget, won't you? All you have meant to me And all I've meant to you, too Lovely song, Shirley. Lovely. I mean, Miss Sheridan. It's rather sentimental for me, I'm afraid, Mr. Florescu. But maybe you and the star of your show can give it a more romantic interpretation. That cat and her fiddle. Oh, Shirley. Try to forget, won't you? All you have meant to me And all I've meant to Things you said to me, your daydreams, your gay dreams, your glad dreams, your mad. 
return for the second act of The Cat and the Fiddle in just a moment. In view of the grave situation precipitated by the strike on certain railroads, I present Mr. William T. Farrisee, President of the Association of American Railroads, who brings us a message of vital importance. Yesterday, three railroad unions started a surprise strike against the railroads, the government, and the people of the United States. I shall not discuss tonight the relation of the government to the strike, but shall deal only with the position and attitude of the railroads. The railroads have made satisfactory settlements with approximately 90% of their employees. Such settlements have been reached with 19 unions, including the two unions which represent more than half the men engaged in operating trains. The railroads are ready and willing and have been ready and willing all along to extend to these three unions, representing less than half the men engaged in train engine and yard service, the same settlement already accepted and in effect as to the majority. They stand ready to make wage adjustments back to October 1st, 1950, so that these men can be assured of the same fair treatment their fellow employees have already received. It should be borne in mind that on December 21st, 1950, the leaders of these same three unions signed a written agreement with the railroads for such a settlement. But before the agreement could be put into effect, it was repudiated by these unions, and the dispute has continued ever since. Unions which represent 90% of all railroad employees have no dispute of this character with the railroads. But if this strike continues, these men will suffer enforced layoffs as a result of the stoppage of traffic on the railroads concerned. For the past 18 months, the railroads have been operated under the direction of the Department of the Army. No doubt that department will take such steps as it thinks proper to protect the national interest and the national defense effort from interruption in railroad transportation. Speaking for the railroads, I express the hope that it may continue to be said of us, as it was truly said during World War II, that nowhere in all the world was the military might of America lessened or the striking power of its armed forces diminished by reason of any failure of rail transportation here at home. Now here is Act Two of The Cat and the Fiddle starring Gordon McRae as Victor and Dorothy Kirsten as Shirley. The night was made for love. The night was made for love. I didn't know what had turned Shirley against me. I began to wonder about Doday. He kept calling her, My dear. Of course, he was the reason she had stopped writing to me. Well, I made up my mind never to think of her again. I could think of nothing else. I tried to lose myself in my work and wrote a song called The Love Parade. It turned out to be quite a cynical song, and I told myself that this was my new philosophy of life. I would rather watch the other fellows strolling down Lover's Lane, watch him getting soft and mellow with love life on the brain. But how nice was ice with a sweet bonbon just to dawdle and wisely smile while we look on watch the love parade gaily going by naughty man and willing mischief in her See him squeeze her arm, hoping she'll agree. Buzzing round each rare fair charm like a busy bee. But when the march is ended and they part, when fears and tears are blended in each heart, I'm very glad. 
glad I stayed sitting high and dry Looking on the love parade gaily going by We're the love parade gaily going by Naughty man and willing made mischief in her eye I watch her closely cling to his manly side Hoping that he'll ask her to be his blushing bride. But when the march is ended and we part, when tears and fears are blended in each heart, I'm very glad I stayed sitting high and dry, looking on the love parade, nearly going by. Doday, come in. How's the score coming, Victor? I'm working on it. And what do you think of Miss Sheridan's music? Miss Sheridan seems to be a very talented girl. I think she is. As a matter of fact, she's a very charming girl, too. <laughs> I'll tell you a secret, Victor. I've asked her to marry me. Congratulations. I hope you'll both be very happy. <laughs> uh, what's this song on the piano? That's one of Miss Sheridan's new songs. You asked me to work some of her numbers into the score, I... Uh, poor Pierrot. That sounds a little sad. I can just picture her seated at a piano composing this. Frankly, Monsieur Daudet, it strikes me as the kind of a song that could only be composed with little tears in your eyes. Poor Pierrot, he loved his fair Lovely song. Oh, yes. But I want to scribble down a few suggestions about it. Let me see now my pencil. Paper, paper, paper. Oh, yes, I'll, I'll just use this old envelope here. Uh, oh, my gracious, Victor. What's the matter? This letter in my pocket. It's addressed to you. I must have picked it up at general delivery for you months ago and forgotten about it. Let me see that. Why, it's from Shirley. No wonder I never heard from her. You had the letter. Must go to Paris. Please, please keep writing when I return. Goodbye, Doday. Uh, Victor, where are you going? Across the court. I hope I'm not too late. Shirley, there's something I must tell you. And there's something I must tell you, too, Mr. Florescu. I'm not going to let them put any of my songs in your score. It's beautiful, just the way it is. 
Except that it has such an unhappy ending. An unhappy ending? Oh, yes, I've forgotten. You're going to marry Doday. What? Well, aren't you? He asked me, but if you think I'm going to throw myself away on that old fuss budget just because you're going to marry a, a female fiddle player... Who? Odette, the star of your show. Odette? Surely. She doesn't mean anything to me. But that night we met, you said if you lost interest in me that you'd stop writing, and you did still stop. I didn't stop. Just a mix-up, that's all. Oh, surely we knew each other for such a short time. Yet as far as I was concerned, after the evening we met in the park, the whole world changed. Oh, Victor. One moment alone, that's all we have known. And yet it seemed paradise had opened its golden portal. There in your lovely eyes, one moment alone, was then I was shown a glimpse of an angel face. things up. Oh, Victor, I'd like that. I'm sick and tired of writing sad songs. Oh, darling, will you marry me? Will you please marry me? At first there was heard not one little word. Before she took one sly little look, and something awoke and smiled inside. Her heart began beating wild inside. So what did she do? We'll leave it to you. We did just what you Dorothy Kirsten will return in just a moment. Meanwhile, our hearty thanks to Howard McNair and our entire company. The Cat and the Fiddle with music by Jerome Kern and book and lyrics by Otto Harbach was adopted for the Railroad Hour by Gene Holloway. The Railroad Hour is brought to you each week at this time by the American Railroads. Tonight, we of the Railroad Hour are happy to have as guests in our studio many of the nation's top educators. They're here in Los Angeles to attend the convention of the American Association of School Administrators this week. They'll be discussing better methods for giving our children the kind of education that will help them become good and intelligent citizens. Few jobs are more basic and vital than this. But the kind of country America will be in the future depends largely on the kind of leadership it will get from the men and women who are today's school children. And now here again is the delightful... Dorothy Kirsten. Thank you, Gordon. I think it's wonderful the way the Railroad Hour brings to life these charming operettas. Well, with you across the microphone, Dorothy, it really feels like an opening night with all the magic of the theater. I understand you have a surprise for us next week. Yes, we do, Dorothy. We're presenting Shari, and we're welcoming Miss Margaret Truman as our guest. We'll all be listening. Night, Gordy. Good night, Dorothy. Come back soon. You were wonderful. All aboard. Well, dear friends, it looks as though we're ready to pull out. And so until next week, when Margaret Truman joins us for Shari, this is Gordon McRae saying good night, everyone. <laughs>
Cat and the Fiddle was presented by special arrangement with Tam's Whitmark Music Library. Gordon McRae can soon be seen starring in Warner Brothers' About Face. Our choir is under the direction of Norman Luboff, and our music is prepared and conducted by Carmen Dragon. This is Marvin Miller saying goodbye until next week for the American Railroads. Now keep tuned to your Monday night of music on NBC. Hear the voice of Firestone with UC Burling on NBC.